You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song from our study on the Gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. We're starting a, a new chapter today. It's exciting. It doesn't happen very often here at our church. <laughs> Feels like every season we're in a new chapter. But uh, yeah, we've been going through the book of Matthew and we're finally on chapter 25. And um, yeah, we've been going through some pretty intense stuff. Jesus has been doing and saying some pretty intense things. This is his final discourse before Jesus goes and um, before he is betrayed and dies on the cross. And so what he has to say um, in this last discourse is, is incredibly important and has much weight as we've been discovering these last couple of weeks. Um, and so before we're going to read from uh, verses 1 to 13 today. But before we dive in, let me, let me give us the context of uh, what, what's been going on so far. And so this whole discourse, it began back in chapter 20, uh, 24, when Jesus is answering um, a question that the disciples uh, asked in uh, verse 3 of chapter 24, where they said, Jesus, tell us when these things will be. And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? So they're asking Jesus, when are you going to return? And when will be the end of the age be, right? And so Jesus goes and he spends the rest of chapter 24 answering those two questions. There's two questions. Number one is what's going to happen? What are the signs of your coming? And number two, when is that going to happen? And so in chapter 24, he answers those two questions. The first thing he's, he, he answers in verse four to 14 is that there's, here are the things that are going to happen. There's going to be false religion. There's going to be wars, disasters, famine. There's going to be global gospel proclamation happening while all these terrible things are happening. And that's happening right now. There's all these terrible things happening. And Jesus says, these are the birth pains. But that's not going to be the end yet. Because even though all these crazy things are happening in the world, watch out for this one particular sign. In verse 15, he says, the abomination of desolation, um, which the, the prophet Daniel talks about. And he says, so basically, there's going to be something that happens in the temple that's going to be abomination, that's going to cause desolation. And when that happens, it's going to cause a great time of tribulation in verse 16 to 27 uh, 26 it says there's going to be a, a terrible time where the believers and god's people will be persecuted and killed and it's going to be a terrible time so there's going to be a great tribulation and then finally verse 27 to 31 he says then he will return right so that's the what what are the signs of your return there's going to be Terrible things happening all over the world, false religions, wars, famines, disasters, right? And then there's going to be an abomination of desolation that's going to happen in the temple. And then finally, there's going to be a, a terrible time of great tribulation. And then after that, Jesus will finally return. And then all of the saints will be taken up with him, right? So that's what's going to happen. But then Jesus answers at the end of the chapter, when will these things happen? And what he says when they will happen is he says... Nobody knows. He says, he doesn't even know. Jesus on earth at the time said, even I have not been told that by the Father. And what that means is God will not tell us when exactly this will happen. Not the day or the hour will not be disclosed to the church. We will only be told of the signs of the season, but the exact date, 
no one's going to know until it actually happens. And then Jesus says, no one's going to know. In fact, when it does happen, it's going to be unexpected and it's going to be sudden. No one's going to know. Don't let anyone tell you that they know the time or the date because it's going to be unexpected. And the only thing we're supposed to do is to be ready for the unexpected day. And how do you get ready for an unexpected day is to be ready all the time. He says, stay awake, be ready, and be faithful. Guys, is there anyone today that's been holding off to be faithful? Like you've been waiting You've been putting something off that God's been telling you to do. I'm telling you, you need to go do that today. (laughs) Whatever that is. Don't wait till tomorrow because you never know. And when it's too late, it's going to be too late. And so that those are, he answered the questions and now he's adding on. So how else can we prepare for that day? So this is really important guys today. He's going to go into a couple of parables teaching us specifically how we are to prepare ourselves for that unexpected day when the Lord comes with judgment to take the believers and, uh, and go back to heaven and, and to judge the rest of the world. How do we prepare for that? So this is one of the three parables that Jesus says of how we are to prepare. Matthew 25 verses 1 to 13. Jesus says this, and this is how we're supposed to prepare. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise who took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then they all, then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And then the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they're going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in and with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, so you, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, may the truth of your word speak loud and clear to the hearts of your people. May those who have ears hear what you have to say to your beloved ones. Lord, I pray for those who ha- whose hearts have been hard against you, that God, you soften them right now and that you wake us up. You wake anyone up who has been sleeping and that we may hear the urgency of your call today. May we be ready when you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go over this verse by verse. Uh, let's go back up to verse 1. This, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Jesus is talking about the coming of the kingdom. When the kingdom comes, and the, the kingdom cannot come until who comes? The king. Right? You can't have a kingdom without a king. So Jesus is specifically talking about then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. He's talking about the coming of the kingdom will be like this. It'll, when the return of Jesus, this is what it's going to be like. And what Jesus says it's going to be like, it's going to be like, like a marriage ceremony. Right? And back in those days, a marriage ceremony took, uh, took there were several stages. 
right? They would, the family of the groom and the groom would come to the bride's family and they would set a marriage a contract, a covenant, and then they would pay the, the, they would pay the dowry. And then the groom would go back to his home, back to his place, and he would prepare a place for his bride. And then him and his retinue would return back to celebrate and, and, and receive his bride. And this is what it's talking about when the, when the groom comes back. And because there was no, you know, tech, there, there wasn't communication like there is now, there were, the time of when he was going to come, come was not certain. They knew kind of when he was going to come, but they just kind of had to be ready. And so that's what's going on right now. And Jesus is saying when he returns, it's going to be like a wedding. This wedding imagery, when Jesus comes back, is what he, he revealed to us in Revelation chapter 19. There is this, um, I think we have it, Revelation chapter 19, if you can turn to it, it says this. Hold on, let me turn to it as well. And then I heard what seemed like there, there to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying, hallelujah for the Lord our God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her clothed, to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the linen, fine linen is righteous deeds of the saints. So guys, like the end of days is pictured to us as a wedding feast. And so that's when Jesus says, when I come, it's going to be a wedding day. Like this is a day that people, you know, they, they look forward to their entire lives. And this is the attitude of those who are waiting for Jesus to return. Like it's as exciting as a wedding day. We're looking forward to the coming of, of Christ back into our lives. And so, but for those, if you actually look in the same verse, in the same context of Revelation, the next part. So Jesus comes as a, as a bridegroom to his bride, to the Christians, to those who have been waiting. But to those, to everyone else who don't believe, he comes as a conquering enemy king who's going to come to destroy his enemies. It's actually kind of crazy. There's such a contrast. But to those who are the believers, it's a wedding. And so verse two, it says five. So the five, there was these 10 virgins waiting. They were waiting for him to come. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. And for they, the foolish took their lamps and they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. So there was 10 virgins. They're all invited to be part of the procession to welcome in the bridegroom of the wedding. And here's what I want us to notice. They all had their lamps. They're all ready to go. They're all intended. They were expecting. They were all waiting. They all knew that, that he was coming, right? But here's the thing. We know at the end of the story, not all of them get in. Guys, what, what we have to realize is just because you have your lamp, just because you're expecting the bridegroom to come, it doesn't mean that you're still getting in the wedding. Like a lot of us, we think that bare minimum Christianity is enough. Is like, you know, once you, once you just say yes to Jesus, you raise your hand, you said that prayer that one time, and you call yourself a Christian, and you have your lamp that you're ready, 
Some of us, like there is a great difference between knowing and believing in Jesus and then being prepared for him. You guys hear what I'm saying? There's a difference between believing in Jesus and being prepared. You can know that he's coming. You can believe that he's coming and you can even be looking forward to him coming back and not be prepared. Like there are some of us today who are looking forward to the return of Jesus, but you have no idea that you don't have any oil. It takes more than just having a lamp. The wise and the foolish had lamps. The wise and the foolish were both there waiting, but only five of them had the oil. So I need to ask you, you might be here. You might go to church. You might even be excited for Jesus to return. But the question is, it's not about how excited you are, is do you have oil in your, in your flask as you wait for the Christ to return? Verse 5 says, as the, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. What this means is that when Jesus returns, it's going to, it's going to be longer. The delay is going to be longer than you expect. There's always a delay. Even in the parable before this one, the parable of the servants, the master was delayed. And here again, the bridegroom is delayed. There's always this sense of delay when it comes to the return of Christ. It will, it will feel like, like is it, it's going to always feel like, man, I feel like Jesus should be here by now. You guys know what I'm saying? Like we're going to see all these crazy things happening. We're going to see the signs. We're going to see all of the signs of the end times. And we're going to be like, oh, he's going to be here any second now, any day now. And then we're going to wait and it's going to feel like he's coming. And then we're going to have to wait a little longer. There's going to be the sense of, man, I think he's supposed to be here. Right? And, we're going to, and it's, going to, it's going to always push us to the end of our capacity. It's going to make us question, is he even coming? And here's what I have to say to any of you who are at the edge of your, I don't know, your ability, your, your patience. Can, don't stop waiting. Don't give up. Even when Jesus, when God feels like he's taking his time, he will come. And this delay is meant so that we can have time to, to prepare. Do you guys realize that? I know it feels like it's the things of God might be taking forever. But really, that delay is there for our good. Look at this. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but his patience towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Or do you presume that the riches of his kindness and the forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Guys, we have to realize that the delay, the slowness that it feels like that God, that Jesus is taking to get to us, is there so that we can repent, so that we can have more time to prepare. Some of us, we want Jesus to hurry up and get here. We have to realize the reason why he's not here yet is he is waiting for you to get ready. So during the delay, prepare today. I sound like a salesman, but like that's true. Like during the delay, you need to prepare today. Go to the store and get your oil. Stock up. Because they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. That's how long it took him. But at verse 6, even though it feels like he's taking forever, he will come. At verse 6, at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out 
to meet him. It doesn't matter how long we have to wait. He will come because the word of God, when Jesus says something, it will happen. And even though it might take longer than expected, he will come. And there will be a sudden cry. And suddenly it felt like he was taking forever. And then he will just be here. Verse 7. And then, all the, and then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will be not enough for us, go rather to the dealers and buy yourself some oil. We need to ask ourselves, church, this morning, what is the oil? Because that is what made all the difference, whether you have it or whether you don't, Right. What is the oil in the Bible? Uh, there is the oil is there's two different things. One, the oil is used for anointing in the Old Testament. It was used to consecrate, to sanctify, to set apart. Priests and kings were anointed with oil to signify that they were to be separated from everyone else for a special purpose. That's what anointing with oil does. It signifies that you are no longer common, but you are, you are set apart. You are sacred. You are not like everyone else. There is that element of the meaning behind oil is to separate, to sanctify, and to consecrate from the rest for the Lord. The oil that the Lord wants us to be filled up with is the oil of holiness, of sanctification. He's, he wants us to be separated from the world, from the common. But what do we spend most of our time trying to do on, in our lives? We spend all of our time try, trying to be like everyone else, trying to fit in with the world, doing what everyone else is doing. Oh, did you guys see what they did down the street? Oh, did you see what this person's doing on Instagram? Oh my gosh, like we need to do this too. Oh, look at, look at their kid. Their, their kid's doing that. Or this kid is doing that. Or, or she's doing this. Or look at how they're doing their wedding. We, we're all trying to fit in and be like everyone else. When the, when the oil of God's people is to be separate, we are supposed to be separated, anointed, and set apart for God, yes, we're not supposed to be doing what everyone else is doing. We're not supposed to be living like everyone else. We're supposed to be separated. Why are we trying so hard to fit in? We need, and here's the thing. When you are separated, when you are set apart, when you are consecrated for the Lord, here's the common, here's what everyone else, and you are literally being pulled apart from that. And separated. That's what it means to be holy. And you're over here. Everyone else is over here, right? You're doing something different. Everyone else is over here. That's going to make you feel lonely, right? Holiness is lonely. You're going to feel lonely. I was talking to someone this week who, who they felt like the Lord was calling them to give up a lot of the things that they've been doing. They were giving up video games and social media and all of these things. And they we're saying that like it feels really lonely. And like my heart broke. I'm like, bro, I know how it feels. But don't you realize what the Lord is doing? He's making you holy. Remember the, what we prayed, the Lord's prayer, hallowed be your name. Do you not realize the reason why God is pulling you away from everyone else is because God is holy. He's over, he's over here. He's separated from everything else. There is no one like him. And he is actually taking you from everyone else. And he's separating you to become with him. That's what holiness is. 
Yes, it feels lonely on the way to the Lord because there's no one else around you. You're literally, that's what holiness is, to be pulled apart, to be different. But God calls us into the lonely place to be with him, to be different. Yes, it's going to feel lonely. But in that place where there's no one else, there's intimacy. You can't have intimacy with a group of people. You can't have intimacy with everyone. You can only have intimacy when you are separated from the crowd. And it's just you and the Lord. The oil of holiness, of separation, of sanctification. The Lord wants you just for himself. So receive the oil of holiness, of separation. Let God sanctify you and anoint you with the anointing oil to be, to be set apart. Are you sanctifying your life? Are you, setting yourself, are you separating time for him? Are you sanctifying your life for him? The oil is symbolic, not only for the anointing, but also symbolic for the Holy Spirit. Often, oil is, is poured out, and the Holy Spirit is described as being poured out as well. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, it says, The Holy Spirit will be poured out onto all flesh. It says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit onto all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Back in the Old Testament, only a few people, each generation, was anointed by oil or and anointed by the Holy Spirit. But he says, one day, there shall come a day when I will pour out my spirit. I will anoint my spirit onto all flesh. Anyone who cries out for the Lord in his name will be anointed with his spirit. Anyone, you just have to ask. Jesus says, all you got to do is ask. And he will give his Holy Spirit to those who ask. You just have to ask, seek, and knock. And like a good father, he will give. And the other thing, the more obvious, literal thing, what's oil for? Oil is fuel for fire. It's quite literally, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can continue to burn. The Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 shows up like a fire. And that is what enables us to keep our faith burning for the Lord. They say, give us some of that oil. But you can't, you can't give your oil to someone else. You can't get it from someone else. You can't take some, you can't borrow someone else's faith, right? And when Jesus shows up, you can't, like, if you're married, you can't be like, oh, my wife, like, wait, 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 like, wait, hold on, come back, come back. Give me some of your oil. Give me some of that intimacy that you have with Jesus because I've been just, you know, I've just been kind of living off of your, your, your faith all my life. You can't like run up to your pastor and be like, oh my gosh, like it, Jesus is here. Like, give me some of your faith. Give me some of that. Like you can't take it from, you can't take it from your pastor, your spouse, your friend, your parents. You can't take it from your community. I don't care if you have the greatest church community on the earth. I don't care if you have the, if you have the greatest pastor on the planet. It doesn't matter. You need to have your own oil. You can't take it from anyone else. It's not transferable, right? 
you need to realize this. You need to ask not how much oil does your mom have stored up over the years of all the prayers. Like I look at my mom's life and how she spent all of her every morning that I can remember waking up and spending time with the Lord fostering deep intimacy like I just imagine that she has just barrels of oil but none of that transfers to me none of it I need to go and get it get my own oil my own intimacy with God you can't get it you say they say you need to go get it for yourself and without it your your fire your faith. You might have, have been given the, the gift of faith once, but if you don't have that oil, that intimacy with the Lord, your flame will go out and you will not be ready. And so in verse 10, it says, So while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in into the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Oil is something that's costly. It's not cheap. They said, you need to go and buy it for yourselves. It, 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 there is a cost. And it's going to cost the intimacy of oil. It, it takes time. It's going to take sacrifice. You're going to have to give up certain things to go get it. And here's the other thing. It takes time. It's not instant. Because look at this, these guys, when, when the bridegroom came, they ran to go get, go and buy some oil, but they couldn't do it. There wasn't enough time. It was too late. Intimacy, relationship with God takes time to foster, just like any relationship with, with people. You can't just like create relationship out of nothing and it will be too late. The door will be shut. There's not going to be enough time. You can't just flip a switch when Jesus shows up. A lot of you, a lot of us are just hoping, waiting. You keep putting off your relationship with God till later, later, later. You keep putting it off later, thinking that later you're going to have time to just suddenly build and cultivate a relationship with the Lord. You can't just cultivate prayer life out of nothing. You're waiting to just do a last minute conversion, last minute repentance. You can't spend your whole life being distant with God, keeping him at a comfortable arm's length, and then thinking at the last second you can switch on the flip, like you can the flip, like a, like a switch of intimacy, and God will be fooled. Guys, our generation, like we're so used to like getting second chances, you know, and deadlines don't actually mean anything, right? We, we're the generation that gives out participation awards to everyone, even though they didn't try that hard, right? Like we, 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 I, you know, if you play video games, like we get unlimited response. There is no consequence. You just, you know, you die and you just start over, right? There's extensions, redos, resets. We always think we're going to get more chances, but guys, the reality is the finality of Christ's return will be so shocking to us because Satan has been training us saying like, oh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. You get another chance. You'll get another, you can just keep asking for more chances. There will not be another chance when the door is shut. And look at verse 11. These virgins, they'll, they'll, they'll try. They'll be like, oh, there's, there's no way. I'm sure we can reason with God in the end. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, open to us. It's us. You know, we've been waiting. And he's not going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. He, he's not going to. He's going to say, he answered, truly, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Man, this is like, 
This is, you can call him Lord, Lord. And they're like saying, like, it's us. Let us in. Come on, don't you know? We know you, God. It's very reminiscent to Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, 22, verse 23. Look, Jesus says, on that day, he's talking about the same day. Many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Lord, open to us. He says, truly, I never knew you. This is how we know the oil is the oil of intimate relationship. Because he said, I never knew you. Those without oil, the thing that set them apart from those who had the oil was knowing him. And we know, we've talked about this at our church. It's not about just the knowledge in your head. It's not intellectual knowing. It's relational knowing. It's that Hebrew word for knowing, to yada, right? To know, to know intimately, right? It's not just with with your words, but with your body, with your soul, with everything. Just like Adam knew his wife. That means he had the most intimate connection with his wife, right? That's what the word yada means. It's not just, it's a knowing with everything, the most intimate kind of relationship that you can have. That's what it means to know. And what Jesus was saying is, I never knew you. I never knew you intimately. You might have thought you knew me, but I didn't know you. And guys, at the end of the day, you know what's more important than us knowing God? It's God knowing you. You might think you know God, but does God know you? That's something that we need to be asking. Are you known by him? It doesn't matter if you know him. Or if you think you know him, if God doesn't know you. Man, like all I want, honestly, at the end of the day, is for God to know me. I just want him to know me. I want to be known by him. And you know, my prayer is that the Lord Jesus will show us today how to fill our lamps with oil that we will spend the, the, the days that we've been given storing up the oil of intimacy every day until he comes. And guys, storing up the oil, is, it's not very exciting. We want to see the fire, right? But oil, you know, it's not very exciting. It's just oil. It doesn't look very exciting. No one else can really see it. But we wait and we need to store it up. We need to pay the price every day pay with our time by setting time apart to get alone with the Lord, to fill up that intimacy with God. Where do we go to buy the oil for our lamps as we wait for our bridegroom today? Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 6, he says, but when you go, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. What do you think he's rewarding you with? He's rewarding you with oil. He's rewarding you with intimacy. He's rewarding you with his Holy Spirit, which he's filling you, even though no one else can see it. Those are not wasted hours. Those are not wasted times. Getting up 30 minutes every day, a little extra, you're not going to lose. You're not going to 
at the end, you're not going to wish you slept more. You're going to wish that you got up and that you prayed a little more. You're going to wish that you closed the door, you turned off your phone, and you got on your knees and you spent some time with your Heavenly Father in that intimacy. Guys, when someone wants to be in a room alone with you and wants you to close the door, that's because they want to get intimate with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys, if you're not married, you should never go in a room and close the door, all right, with another, someone of the opposite gender, because, you know, that's, that leads to intimacy that, that you should not do yet, right? But, the, that's, but here's the thing. That's what the Father is inviting us into every day, to go into the, he wants to be intimate with us, to know us, and that we know him, but more importantly, that we, he knows us. We make ourselves known to him when we go and we pray and we spend time alone with him and no one else, no one else will see this. You will not put this on your social media. No one will know, but God will know. And you will fill up your flask with the oil of love and intimacy. In that in the place of his word. This is how you know you're getting to know the real God when you go and spend time in his word and meditate on it day and night, right? Psalm chapter 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto the path. Where do we get the oil to light up our lamps for the Lord? In his word. How do you know you know the true God and not just who you think is God? You go into his word where you receive and get to know who he really is. And the word of God, when you really meditate on it, it actually gets, it starts to know you, right? You're like, know me, Lord. Where would we go to get the oil of anointing to fill up our flasks? We need to go to him and ask him. Luke 11, 13 says, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Do you go? To the Father every day, and you do you ask Him? He might come today. Is your did you get your oil today? Did you go spend intimate time with the Lord today? This, even church, this right now, this is not intimate time. Like, I love church and worshiping with the community is amazing, and we're supposed to do it. But even more than all of this, you after this, if you didn't yet, you need to go and close. You know, if you're already, I can see some of you already in your rooms by yourself. Then stay there. Just turn everything off and get with the Lord and ask for the oil of love and intimacy with him today. Let me ask you, are we holding empty lamps? Or are you walking daily in deeper intimacy with the Lord, increasing intimacy with God? Are you hearing the Father's words, written and unwritten? It's going to cost you. Of course it does. Oil is costly. It takes time. You got to pay with your time and your sacrifice. But where else are you going to spend your riches on? What are you saving that time up for? You can't save it till the end and just try to go buy that intimacy at the end. It'll be too late. So you might as well spend it now. Are you known by Jesus? Do you know, does he know you? Look at this. Psalm 139 verse 1. David says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you and known me. This, this is what I want. I want to be able to say this. God, that you know me. David was able to say this. You search me and you know me. It is the desire of my heart that 
I could say this to you, that God, you know me. Search me every day. Yada me. Intimacy, love, just you and me, exclusive, no one else. Not my wife, not my kids, not my church, just you and me, Lord, here in this place. The kind of intimacy that Jesus has with his father. John 10, 15 says, just as the father knows me and I know the father. Look at that. Just this is what it's like between him and his father. I, the father knows me and I know him. Can we say that about God? And you can, know, you can see that Jesus does because every day when you look into his life, he wakes up. He doesn't want to talk to his disciples. He doesn't want to talk to his mom. He doesn't want to talk to, he goes off into the wilderness to be alone with his heavenly father, to know him and to be known by him. This is the deepest kind of love, to be known by the father. The thing I don't want to hear at the end is to hear the most terrifying words in all of history, which is, I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. Can you imagine, guys, going your whole life thinking that you knew God and at the end having him say that to you? Like, it makes you wonder. If, you ne if he never knew you, then... Who, who are you relating to this whole time? Like, what God did you think you knew? A fraud? A false idol? Maybe one with the same name as God, but one that you made. One that you cobbled together with the lies of this world and the desires of your heart. Just like how the Israelites built a God out of their own jewelry and possessions, and then they called it the God that saved them from Egypt. Guys, we need to take a moment to examine whom we worship today. Who do you call Jesus? Is it the real him? Or is it the false version that, that the world has made for us? Is it the one that, that, that you've made out of your desires and your wants? Or is he the God of the Bible? Are your ideas coming from his word uh, the ideas of who he is coming from his word and his Holy Spirit, or is it coming from what someone else has taught you or what you want? We need to get surrendered to the true Jesus today, to the true God of the Bible. And we need to learn who he is by diving into deep intimacy every day. Because verse 13, the last verse today says, watch therefore for you neither know the day or the hour. Guys, Jesus said, that when he returns, it will, be very, it will be dark. He says in Matthew 24, verse 29, when he returns, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will, not, will fall from the heavens. The whole world will be in darkness. It will be night when he comes. The question is, will, when the bridegroom comes in the dead of night, will he find lights burning in the darkness waiting for him? Will Jesus find lights burning with the oil of intimacy stored up for that final hour when he arrives saying, yes, Lord, I've been waiting for you this whole time. When the bridegroom comes, will we be standing with our lights? Let's pray.
Thanks for listening to the Hum Vision Podcast. We hope you are blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.